Hello, 49ers fans. Welcome to another edition edition of Talking Touchdowns. As always, I am 49ers fangirl Tracy Sandler here with SoCali Steph. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Steph? I'm very excited about our guest today. Yes, we have a very exciting, very awesome guest today. We are joined by Tim Kawakami, sports columnist from the Mercury News, and we really are thrilled to have him. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Welcome. Hey, great to be on. How are you guys doing today? Good. In a post-draft hangover, I suppose. (laughs) Post-draft, during the Warriors playoffs, during all these other things going on, but let's talk a little draft. That's fine. Yeah, let's start with draft, and I'd love to get into a little bit Warriors, too, actually, as as we move on a little bit. But let's start with the draft of our always interesting San Francisco 49ers. Tim, uh, I understand you were not a fan of the draft. I'd love to hear your thoughts and and what you did not like. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I have any problem with the first pick. Uh, you get the Forest Buckner at the spot they're at. Uh, the way the draft kind of maneuvered with the quarterbacks moving up to one and two, uh, I did no problem with that. Uh, I think it maybe lacked a little creativity. You, you could have gone there and Tunzel there. Uh, you went 13. A lot of teams passed on him. I, I thought Tunzel was a you know, potential Hall of Famer, but also a potential athlete in three years. Buckner, you know, checks off all the things before that. like to check off. He's long, he's big, he's, you know, he's one of those. You know, uh, defensive five technique, defensive lineman that, that Balky loves in three four. Maybe the guy who can replace Jeff Smith, who has been gone for a year, but they didn't really replace him last year. I, I don't have an issue with, with, with the pick by itself. I just think they did their typical Trent Balky thing. It's just not being very imaginative and, and not kind of moving around for the picks that I think you know, they know maybe fans or other experts or other teams would would want them to do and they resist that and it almost seems like they resist it not because it's the, way, the best way to do it they just risk it because they don't they don't want to do what everyone else wants to do they want to do it their way they get very stubborn about that uh, and, and I thought the move up which cost them some picks you know they, they didn't move up a ton from the uh, from the second round to get to pick 28 for Stanford guard Josh Garnett I, I just thought that was a little breachy uh, again I, I was saying Connor Cook who doesn't go many, many picks later, but it could have been somebody else. To, to sacrifice a bunch of picks, and, and we know how much they love picks, for a guard who I don't think really projects as a great NFL guard, and, 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 and you're still just a guard, not a tackle. Uh, I thought that was Trent Balky feeling himself, and Trent Balky feeling himself the last three years in the draft hasn't been very good. And I don't think Garnett's going to be terrible. I just don't think he's going to be somebody you went, oh, they moved up. You know, Eric Reed, they moved up to get a couple of years ago that I saw and he's been worth it. Anthony Davis they moved up to get in 2010 in Balky's first year on the run of the draft when he wasn't the GM yet but he was acting GM. The talent was there. Uh, this one I'm, I, I'm not sure about and, and you could have addressed another position. We, we know Balky gets a little scared of drafting quarterbacks for wide receivers in the first round. He, he drafted AJ Jenkins in the immortal 2012 draft and he hasn't drafted it right when you were high then. <laughs> Go to Will Redman in the third round, who you know, maybe 
you drain talent but has some issues and, and, and you go to Richard Robinson or Falk, it just it, it just seems to be bulky saying, you know what, everyone thinks I'm just gonna do try to get playmakers because obviously this team needs playmakers. The hell with that. I'm trying to balk I'm gonna do whatever I want to. And, and instead of maybe drafting for you know, me or drafting for the moment, he's drafting for whatever he wants to. And, and I have defended him on this in the past. I think you do need a way you do it. You do need it. You can't react to things and, and just say, okay, we have to get a left tackle and draft a left tackle. Because we've seen teams do that high in the draft and it doesn't work if the player's not very good. You, you can't force the pick. I knew that we're going to take a quarterback with seven picks because Bulky doesn't believe that's where the quarterback value is because they get overdrafted and they, you know, the quarterback probably should go 17, he goes 10. And he doesn't do that. And, and I respect a lot of that. I just think. In this moment in time, with, with the 49ers going through what they've gone through the last few years, with all the money they have yet to spend under the cap, with a new stadium generating $100 million of profit conservatively every year, and they hate when I say that, but they can't deny it because it's true, and by the way, $100 million of profit is very conservative. Uh, with all the PSLs that they've got, with all the sponsorship deals, I just think it was a moment where you, you might have wanted to address some things more directly than the usual indirect, kind of passive-aggressive way that, that Tress Falk usually does things. Again, I don't think he's a bad GM. I don't think it's a bad draft. I just think this was a, a, a draft that didn't really wasn't right for the moment. It was it was right that they were. This was 2012, and they're coming off a Super Bowl trip, and they're loaded, and they've got young guys ready to come up, and they've got you know they don't really have immediate spots where they need to put somebody in there. And Falky you could draft all these guys, you could, you could put on a retro. They didn't turn out to be very good that year either, but in, in the draft. But this is this was like a kind of boss draft, like he's loaded. Like he's got it going. And they didn't have it going last year. And they had to hire a new coach or chip and he got a new system. And I'm not sure that Garnett, by the way, fits this fast zone read uh, offensive chip Kelly. He's, he's, a, he's a power he's a power puller what he is. So we'll see. It just seems like in a moment of pressure, one of his first moments of pressure in a, in a long time, Balky has, instead of being proactive, he's gotten more like Balky, which is just draft big, just draft guys who've got you know injury issues, just draft guys who, who are low, going lower in the draft than they might otherwise with, with, with maybe a character issue. And I don't know that that's where they're at right now. I, I think they're, they needed to hit guys where you went, okay, that's the guy to plug right in and make a beat for the quarterback position down the road. Because as all I say is, who's playing quarterback in 27? Who's playing quarterback at the end of this season? <laughs> we don't know. And it's a relatively important position, as we've seen. And, and unless they're going back to the single carry years, but I don't care about that position. And I don't think Chip Kelly believes that. I don't know that you want to say, okay, our, the only quarterback we have on the contract in 2017 is Jeff Tristan. That's where they're at right now. I guess Colin Kaepernick's another one, but we can talk about that later. But uh, I don't believe Colin Kaepernick's going to be on the team in 2017. You know, I wasn't thinking he would be on the team right now, but I really don't think he's going to be on the team in 2017. Let me ask you this, Tim. Um, Where they don't have a future quarterback. And and this is a relatively important position for them to go bare at and just kind of throw it up and say, ah, you know, let's play Gaffer for now. We'll see what happens. These are my issues with them at the urgency of the moment. They didn't need it. They didn't come close. In fact, they reacted the other way. They drafted like they were, you know, as I said, they drafted like they were a 11-5 team, not a 5-11 team, and they were very much a 5-11 team. They just, we saw they very easily could have been a 3-13 last year. 
was who knows, you know, Blaine Gabbard, and who knows? And they didn't draft with urgency. They drafted in a typical ball. He passed aggressive. Everything's great. And I don't, I, I don't see, other than Buckner, and, and that was fine, I just don't see the urgency in, in Trent Baalke. I've never seen it. And, and maybe that's okay when you're, when you're loaded, and, and they are far from loaded now. I, I just have a quick question for you, Tim. I get what you're saying as far as getting an offensive tackle for the number one pick. I, I felt that that was a no-brainer for the 49ers. Seeing, like, did they watch all the games we watched? There was It was just so awful, you know? And I thought, for sure, after Ronnie Stanley went at six and we had Laramie Tensel available... I, I, of course, would have loved that pick, but he did post that, you know, <laughs> the yeah. bomb well, with the... The reason, <laughs> reason why Tunsil was there uh, with that yeah. video, obviously, and who knows with him. Uh, yeah, so I think that he would have come up here got, a lot of there. I understand that. Go ahead. I was just saying that I think he would have under uh, it come under a lot of scrutiny. I think the 49ers would have come under a lot of scrutiny if they had picked him. And I think you would have probably been, um, I, especially about what, you know, Jed's whole, you know, drafting with class and playing with class. And, uh, yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't think I, again, who knows? I, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have at that point, but uh, who, who knows? And maybe they have research there uh, and that's okay. Maybe there's something out there now. You know, we'll, we'll see if Miami Dolphins took him at 13, and we'll see how those careers go. Uh, drafting Tunzel at seven is different than drafting Tunzel at three. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'm always very practical about that. You're at different spots in different times, and the value is, you know, I, again, I respect a lot of what Balky does with the value. That you don't take certain guys here, you move back, you get another pick, and then you bump up later. I have no, I've never criticized him about that. And I'm not criticizing him so much about Buckner at that point, which I think is a fine value. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, right now, uh, Tunzel could be a, a, a multi-year Pro Bowl player. The talent teams there at seven, in the, and they might be way up in the top of the draft again next year, but you're hoping you're not up at seven every time. <laughs> and you're getting maybe the most, you're getting the most, maybe the most talented player in the draft at seven. Uh, there is that's the value to me now. Maybe all these things that are going on with Tunzel were just too much for them. And again, it's not like Buckner's terrible. He, Buckner's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. He's going to be better than Armstead. I have every belief uh, he's a better Armstead, and he's going to be a very. I just don't. I just think that that, that slot, you had a chance to just go wow. And I, again, you know, we can all go back on what we would have written or what we could have written. I, I'm pretty sure I would not have criticized him for, for drafting Tunzel. In fact, I would have said, I understand this could be a but. That's okay. Because you got a chance for the number three overall guy. If Jalen Ramsey had been sliding down and there was some issue with him and they got him at seven, I would have plotted that one too. It's, a, it's the value of seven versus three or two or one with a, with a talent who could change your team. Uh, and, you know, tackles... We know, you know, they they have some value. They have a lot of value. They're really good. They don't have a ton of value to that. This can be used as And I thought Tunzel was there. And if he's falling to you and you're seven, it's not again. I could understand it. I understand why you passed it. At this, this moment, though, when you need stars, you build with stars. I thought Tunzel was star. We can argue this one forever, but um, <laughs> I just think it was the the whole kind of tenor of the draft was like that was 
really interesting, but let's not do the interesting thing. We could do this thing that would be really blocking at a neat position, but let's not do it. You know why? Because we're the 49ers and we're really good. They can say that when you're coming off a 12-4 and four season. And you can say that when you're coming off a three straight trips to the NFC title game. You can't say that when you're 5-11 and your quarterback now is Blaine Gabbert and your second receiver is I don't know. And <laughs> you know, your right guard is flip a coin and you're telling me that Marcus Martin and Brandon Thomas and Tank Carradine are going to be really great this year because we'll forget about the last few years. That's a different spot that they're in. And this is why, I, you know, again, I, I know Falk used so very well, uh, and it just felt like a guy who was going against the pressure. Again, I respect that in many ways. He's hitting some picks that, that you wouldn't have thought about the part you know, pick, obviously, there's, there's picks out there that I respect and I have said I pray for. This one, I just, it, it felt like you just didn't see the moment. And again, Buckner might be very, very good. Defensive mm-hmm. line might be very, very good. I, I would have gone at another position at that moment. That's, that's fair. I mean, I think I, I would have been fine with Tunsil, and I wouldn't even have made a, I really don't even think I would have made a so much for winning with class joke. Because I thought the whole thing was so bizarre, and the whole video was bizarre, and the timing of it was bizarre, and it was certainly probably poor judgment to film it. But I feel like he's a college kid, and you're gonna be hard pressed. And that was, and, that, and the video wasn't, you know, filmed three days ago. It was filmed two years ago. So yes, exactly. That's, why, that's where your research comes into play. That's where your connections come into play. Uh, that's where you, you know, at some point you're just saying, okay, we feel this is a good kid, or we feel it's not a good kid. You know, and Chip Kelly is a different kind of guy with that. You know, Trent has taken gambles, as we know, many, many times on players, mm-hmm. on character issues, and Chip Kelly has run them off. We, we know this about him. So I also see that as kind of a, it was a Trent-Chip trying to kind of find a common ground. They were very much into that, as we know, in press conferences. And I, I don't make it wrong. You know, where, where are they going to have to on the common ground, it's going to be on long-limbed, good character athletes, period. That's where it's going to be. And we saw that in the first debate, and they can go on and on about Josh Barnett. He loves football because he showed up. He didn't, he, you know, he was at the combine, then he was at the paper pro day, then he showed up at our pro day. How great is that? Well, you know, I, I don't know if that's the reason you move up and, and, and you draft a guy. I, I don't know that, you know, but they love the two-time captain, da, 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 which probably... Really, when you keep saying two-time captain, that points to why they didn't take Connor Cook, and that might be a really great reason because a lot of people didn't take Connor Cook. But it's, it's, it's Balky never used to talk like that, by the way. But I do think Balky and Kelly appropriately are trying to find a common ground here, uh, away from you know some of the character issues. I believe they, they they took one for sure, and maybe to uh, you know here's how we're going to split the difference with you know. They like the similar athletes, which they say over and over again. They like big guys. They like long. They like length. They like power football. All those things. Then you get into the kind of the character issues. I think maybe that's where they're going to have to kind of figure out a middle way between chips. It's the program. It's the program. It's the program. And Trent, you know what? I'll take a flyer on a guy who's got trouble because I can get him twenty ticks later than I would have had normally had to do it. It's a little difference. And you know, Buckner's perfect for that, obviously, because he's. You know, certainly got a clean background, and he's an Oregon guy, and Chip Grudem, he's a great athlete. That was, that was right down, that was right down the heart. Tons wouldn't have been, and, and some other guys maybe wouldn't have been. So, we're seeing it. It's developed. Again, I, I guess it came off as I'm killing him, 
I'm just killing them for the, for the overall vision of this. And I'll just keep going back. Who is the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Not, not tomorrow. Well, yes, tomorrow we don't know. But game one, game 15, game one of 2017, you kind of want to have an answer for that. And if their answer is Jeff Driscoll, I'm going to say that's not good. I'm going to say that right now. So uh, that, those are my issues. But just the, the big picture part of it. And I know people think all I do is hammer them. And I keep going. I don't really rip Trent for bad picks that much. I think GMs make bad picks. This has to. Ozzie Newsom, I think, is the best GM of football. He's made some bad picks. Yeah, I want to see the vision of it, though. I want to see why you did it. I want to see exactly what steps led to that pick. And if, you, if I think they make sense, then I got no problem with it. If I think it's a reaction to something else, then I got a problem with it. And so I just think the overall view of this draft was the same to me as the overall view of free agency, the same to me as the overall view of the last several drafts. It's the, the kind of a lack of imagination. It's kind of a ground-in sense of we're better than everyone thinks we are. And you know what? Last year, they were not. And I don't know if they're going to be better than everyone thinks they are this year. And there was no sense of that with this draft, this free agency, and, and going into the future. I, I think that's a really interesting point because – you know, they, they pretty much slammed Colin Kaepernick all last season pretty bad. They bashed him. And, you know, then they basically let him try to find his own trade when he requested the trade. And they, you know, also, you know, I, I'm not really sure about the whole Denver talks were even real. I don't know if they were bluffing, but I think that even Denver called their bluff by drafting a quarterback. At least Denver had a clear vision of what they wanted. And while they were willing to look at Colin Kaepernick, they they were always straight. They knew exactly what they were doing. With the 49ers, it's just this, I don't know, we'll keep them. <laughs> we, 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 don't, we won't keep them. And it's, I think it's frustrating as a fan. I'm a fan because it's obviously, you know, it's the, the team leader here. And we want to think that they're treating their players well. And even if they're not 100% with them, it just goes back to, even to the car boss stuff. We never got a clear vision after Hobbell was fired. So I, 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 I can kind of see where you're going with this because – I do think that there's a certain amount of hubris in their thinking that they think as a team, the players, they have all the pieces there, but they're just missing out on one or two things, which is just really not the case. And I also yeah, think... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think you bring up an interesting point with Vision as well, with not knowing who the quarterback is and wide receiver two being, I don't know. And by the way, I don't know maybe better than what's actually there if you want my honest opinion at least I don't know I may not get a flag on any play every play for nothing but anyways that's a whole different issue but you do hire Chip Kelly who's you know this in theory offensive genius offensive minded coach and you've done really little to nothing to his offense so I find that to be interesting as well vision wise yeah I mean we get into the whole Kaepernick thing and that's part of the draft I wasn't getting into it because it's also, but you know, essentially the 49ers were, were you know, they, they wanted to trade Kaepernick to, to the Broncos. They let you don't let your former starting quarterback, who in many ways is thought of as kind of their co incumbent, which we, I think we all know he's not really scattered at this point, but you don't let him go to John Elway's house without <laughs> you wanting to trade him, right? You, you can't, if you did want to trade him, you don't let that happen. It, that's how it works in it. So you don't just say, oh, go ahead. You know what? 
you know, Aaron Rodgers, you, you want to go talk to the, to the Raiders? Go ahead. No. Are you kidding me? And so they wanted to trade him. They did want to trade him. Now, whether, you know, whether they could have ever figured out what it was going to be. And, and that guaranteed money got that away, and that, that all became the big two-way bog down of what the money was going to be and who was going to pay it and what draft picks were going to be. Although I think they sort of had an idea on the draft picks. But then you let Elway figure it out on his own, saying, I'm going to move up and get past the Lynch. And it just took that. You don't want, when you're playing, you know, in you're in your negotiation with somebody, you don't want the other side to say, I can do my own deal, goodbye. Because then you don't get anything out of it. Colin Kaepernick gets the $11.9 million guaranteed now. It's going to be 12.3 with, with the uh, reporting bonus. And Denver moves up to get past the Lynch, which, you know, we'll see. You know, who knows? But, you know, that was an answer for them. And they don't have to pay the $11.9 million or whatever it was going to be, $7 million for Kaepernick. And I don't know what the point I got out of this. And they buried Kaepernick. Again, this, this is not the, they. We know they. It's probably Chad. But... Uh, the team buried Colin Kaepernick, and Kaepernick knows they did, and he knows who did. And, and, and I just say, what are you getting out of this, other than Jet feeling good with a few national reporters you know, about seven different times last season, and it was so predictable. I'll tell you how predictable it was. I predicted it in February last year. It was <laughs> you did. You <laughs> did predict it. I don't, I don't know what they think they get out of this, though. You know, if there was some reason for this, I wouldn't think it was, you know, good, uh, you know, moral to go ripping your quarterback in the whole season. But if there was something to gain out of it, I could, I could understand some of it. They don't get anything. They lose the value of the quarterback. They lose the face of the quarterback. They, they turn that locker room sour. It might have been a little sour already, but it, it turned it even more sour. Then what do you have out of it? You got, you've got a quarterback who doesn't want to be there. If he wanted to be there, he would have frustrated and he would have gone to John Elway's house. It's just that those are facts. So I, I think Kelly's going to try to massage it, and I've always been open to the possibility. He might. You never know. Uh, but, you know, if, if Kaepernick plays and gets hurt, or even if he goes to training camp and gets hurt, then they could be on the hook for another $15 million next year. And do you think they want to do that? I don't think so. If Kelly plays him, and he, say Kaepernick is in there and maybe he, he beats out Kaepernick. He's terrible because he was terrible last year. What happens at locker room? What happens to the situation? There's so many possible negative things to come out of this. Forget about Kaepernick being in that locker room every day and, you know, other players seeing what his mood is or other players realize, Jesus, they really did screw this guy. You know, if I really come to look at it, they screwed him. What are they going to do to me every day? If, I, I don't know where the 49ers, maybe the, the one possibility is Kaepernick loves Kelly, turns his career around and plays really well. I don't think Jed York's going to want him next year, though. I, I mean, Jed York can't stand him. Jed York didn't like him when Kaepernick was playing well. And I don't think he's going to want him no matter what happens this season. I think this is kind of the, uh-oh, nothing else happened, maybe we'll have him on the team now. And that's not thought out. That's not, there's no vision to that. There, there's no... This is not the way the New England Patriots do it. This is not the way the Baltimore Ravens do it. This is not the way winning teams do it. This is the way losing teams do it. And not just losing, this is the way self-destructing teams do it. So I'm just, you know, trying to find somewhere where they did something smart and things look rosy. And I tell this to 49 fans who get mad at me, and I understand if they think I'm relentless on this, but they just tell me a good thing that they've done that I've not praised. Tell me, I've prayed to Kelly 
employee hire. I think out of what they had to work with, Chip's an interesting hire. We'll see how it works, and we'll see how Chip and Trent together over the years works. <laughs> we don't know. But it, uh, of the guys they had left, I, you know, I'll take Kelly over Shanahan. I'll take Kelly over several other guys. But let, let's see how play Let's see who the roster is. Let, let's see who they put out there uh, in that NFC West. And Trent and Chip seem pretty intent on running the ball. That's all fine. You're going to run the ball? <laughs> 35 times against Seattle, <laughs> against the Rams, against Arizona. Okay, you know what? Carlos I strap it on. Let's see how can we get you to healthy with it. This, this is just, these are things that you just add them all up and you see this developing. And the Harbaugh thing developed over a year and they, they, they buried him for a year. They didn't, and then they get rid of him at the end of the year. You just wait to 2014. They hired Tom Sula and they bury. Kaepernick for the waste 2015. They're 2016. I've already got one advance down. Well, you know what? This is just a rebuild year, and we'll get the top pick next year, and we'll that's waste in 2016. The first three years of Levi Stadium, we are charging untold millions of dollars to PSL holders and sponsors and all that. You're throwing away the first three years of Levi Stadium. That's something. That's something pretty large there. Uh, and I, I don't mind re- repeatedly saying it because this is not again how. It's a rich franchise now. They can't use that as an excuse. There's money. They got tons of They got more money. Every time we look up, there's another investment. Your family's investing in the soccer team. Your family's investing in the tech park. Your family's investing. They got so much money. They don't know what to do with it. They're just not putting it in the players' pockets, as we've seen. Uh, and it's a little bit of a, you know, they'll, they'll pay up to the cap, but they just won't pay guaranteed money. They won't pay bonus money. This is the issue. This is why Colin Kaepernick. You know, kind of forced their hand. He was hurt. They would have cut him if they could have, I believe. And I believe they'll cut him or try to trade him next year. And no matter what happens, and then, then and then what do they do? And then these are the larger issues that I identify with. I think that it's they're all fair points. I think that so many times we have these, you know. We, you know, I think as a fan, and I'm guilty of it, it's like we hate the pick and then we later talk ourselves into it because <laughs> that's just what we do as fans. And, I, you know, I understand that, you know, you're seeing it more as, you know, what's going from here and there. You don't necessarily have to talk yourself into it. Um, and sometimes you refer to people as Jed bots. Like, is that just a blind fan that just is willing to do whatever? What is, what is a Jed bot? That's a good question. Yes, yeah, one a definition. Uh, I, 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 it's kind of a loose definition. I think I've come up in my head. It's just the it's social media largely, but I used to get this outside of that. In the NFL, it really does seem particular to fans having faith in the owner and general manager, but really the owner. And I'm not saying all 49er fans. I'm not saying all loyal 49er fans are this way. They're certainly not. Uh, good, I have many good friends who are passionate 49er fans who are upset about things or just want to do them better and they're, they're not thrilled with things. They're not good. That, that's all understood. There just seems to be in every NFL city, for sure, uh, a line with the 49ers now because it's so polarized and there are so many fans who will never forget the team for Harbaugh, but the, there are fans of Jet. You have to be a fan of Jet, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they, and say that Harbaugh deserved to go, and they did you know, all this was the roster that Trent Baalke built, and look what Jet done. And this, you know, and I, so if you're looking at this football-wise, if you're just looking at this, how this happened, with Mike Singletary going 6-10 and 10 or whatever, you know, 5-10 five and, five and, and then got fired Tom Silva's last game, 
And then Harbaugh gets hired. Great move. As applauded by me, I don't think anyone could find anything in their world that they shouldn't hire Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. When they hired him, I praised them. They used to go on that three-year run. Fourth year was a little dodgy while they were burying him. And you get to the next year with Tom Silly goes 5-11. and 11. Six and ten before Harbaugh, five and eleven after Harbaugh, forty-eight wins or whatever was in the middle of it. It, it. It's not hard to deduce to me, largely, largely who was the credit for that. Harbaugh might have been, you know, he, he, he's he, he, he can be a short timer. You can understand why teams don't go ten years with him. But then you better have somebody good after him, and you better have set yourself up for life after Harbaugh. And they clearly did. And then they bury him for a tire. They wasted a year of Harbaugh. If Harbaugh got four years, you don't waste the last year of him. You, you, you try to maximize those four years, and they said they wasted the, that year. So when I have when that is what we're seeing, those numbers, those absolute black and white numbers of how good they were with Harbaugh, how bad they've been without Harbaugh under Jed York, and yet I have I don't know how many, but it's thousands of 49er fans who are who are completely upset at me every time I point out the, the decisions they've made. <laughs> I said, what? what your faith is that's, it has to be. If you're completely <laughs> enraged when I say you had a winning coach, Jim Harbaugh, and then you got rid of him for whatever reason, and even Stephanie probably while it was happening, I said, I understand being tired of Jim Harbaugh. I understand that. But what I don't understand is plotting against him for a year and then not having an option on the way. Those, those are the issues. Well, and... and the, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, 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 stands, you know, it stands uniquely get enraged because of that or because of their issues with you know players' behavior or their issues with Kaepernick. Then, then it has to be just, I, you know, the, the fan has to believe, I believe in Jet. I believe in Jet. That's the guy. And it seems particular to NFL teams where fans believe the owner is the personification of the team. You don't have that in the NBA, largely. You certainly don't have that in Major League Baseball. And yet mm-hmm. in the NFL, in many cases, like these, I swear it, Jet bots, who what I call them, I you cannot attack. Like the owner is the flag. That's that's it. That's the owner. What do you think he's going to give you a job? I mean, do you think he's going to hand out free tickets to you or something? I, I don't quite get that. I would always go the opposite. If you're invested that much money in the team, and they had to have, and I respect that, wouldn't you demand more from the owner instead of less? Wouldn't you? ask for reasons instead of screaming that you don't need reasons? Wouldn't you say, I want a better product on the field because I'm paying for it, not stop bothering my guy Jed, he's the greatest. That's what a Jed bot to me is. It's the blind faith in the power of the guy, not in what he's done, not in the achievement, not in the rationale, not in the intelligence, just in the power. And we've seen the way he's used power. It's been ridiculously, uh, you know, uninformed and uh, not thoughtful but yet there will be thousands of people who will demand that I lay off Jet or that it must be a proper personal thing that I have with Jet it's not a personal thing if, if he had gone through the Harbaugh thing and hired a great coach of course I would have been the first one praising him why wouldn't I be? I didn't even rip Tom Sula that much in the beginning I didn't Let it, let's play it out let's see I, you know, I have my questions about this but let's play it out. I, I was kept being told the players love them and they'll get back to basics. Okay, let, let's see it. Game three, it was pretty clear we weren't <laughs> going to see that. Game three, that's how long it took. They so, weren't getting back to basics. I get, yeah, they got back to basics. 
Well, I don't think the 49ers know what they're doing. I think we've obviously seen that that's very clear. And I think, you know, Tim, looking back at um, February 2014, we knew it was over for Harbaugh with the rumor about trading him to Cleveland. So it's interesting at that point that they didn't have a clear path as to what they were going to do after Harbaugh, unless Tom Sula was always the clear path, in which case I would call that not a clear path would be my, if Tom Sula was always the clear path, the path was quite blurred. Um, and no disrespect to Jim Tom Sula. Cause I do think he is a nice guy who did the best that he could. Absolutely. It's just, he couldn't do yeah. better than that. Um, so I think it's interesting as a passionate fan and as a season ticket holder, who's loved his team since I was a little girl, I have a hard time reconciling what I see with my fandom. It's almost the opposite of your Jedbots. Um, that how people say to me, how can you love a team with an owner like that? How can you love a team with the way they're treating people? And sometimes I do have a hard time thinking, but I've loved this team since I was a child. And it's the team. It's not the owner, but it, it feels like the opposite. So I do marvel at the lack of unrealisticness of fans and the inability. And listen, I'm optimistic. I'm hoping that Chip may be the answer and maybe they turn things around. You know, time will tell. But I'm realistic. And I think as a fan, you have to be realistic. I just don't understand how a fan looks at a 5-11 and 11 team who, as you said, for sure should have gone 3-13 and 13 and says, no, he definitely knows what he's doing. I'm standing by him 100%. I just don't, I don't get that yeah. at yeah, all. It, it's, I think a lot of it is the sunk cost, right? I mean, I think of years that you put into it and of the money that you have to pay for DSL, you know, largely not getting that, you're not getting that back. Uh, no. And I get a lot of it too. I understand again, there's, there's, as much as I go back and forth with them or, or block them on Twitter or whatever I do, I get <laughs> where it's coming from. Don't shout it to me. That's okay. I get it. And don't try to tell me that I'm wrong, though, because I'll, have, I'll just put it this way. It's hard-pressed to find someone who's been more correct on this team the last several years than me. And yet I still get it. I get it more because of that. And so it's, just, it's a blocking out of a reality that I would like other, you know, it, it does illustrate to me it's very similar to what the ownership, I think, is I believe it's just blocking our reality, and their fans. You attract the fans that, that you attract because of the way you are, and and, then, and sometimes I describe it this way: Jet has these fans he deserves, and these fans deserve Jet just of that percentage. And I get the fans who care, just want the team to win, and they can separate themselves from Jet. All that is understood. And when I was growing up, I felt the same way. But you also want to have some questions. You have to have some questions. You just can't say this is the way I want it to be. The way they handle Colin Kaepernick, yeah, way to go, Jet. That's the way to do it. You <laughs> seven things to ESPN and, that, and Fox, and that's how we get the best results. Didn't turn out that way. No. And, and you can understand people around the league and players around the league going, this is not, this is not how you do it. So that's all that Through all this, and it comes off bumpily, through all other things. But I think that's my main point, and I understand. I know you guys get it, and I know. I get where you're coming from, and it just be reasonable, be understanding of, of, of what's real, and if they're great, you're right that they're great. When they're great, I wrote that they're great. When they're bad, I'm going to write that they're bad. When they screw up, I'm going to write that they screwed up. And when it turns out that that's real, but blah, 
awesome to something great to you, I'll write that. Happy to write that. Uh, and, but I'm, I'm not going to lie to anybody. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm, like I believe that Jed and his family lies to themselves. It, it's just they tell themselves things that they wish that were true, and that's not usually what happens on third and seven when you got to beat the Rams. It just—it's it, not about a lie. It's about what you can do, and I just think it plays out again and again in the moves they make. It's really something else. Um, and hearing you talk and the few things that I've written on the subject with Jed and Prague and some of the things that I've heard from Jed's mouth and starting to make sense to me because, I mean, it, it, you know, he was always openly uh, just talking things that now seem absolutely ridiculous. I remember him saying at one point he believed that um, – someone was saying that he thought that Harbaugh was a great coach and he, he kind of rebuked and said um, a, a good or a great coach would have won that Super Bowl. So he, you know, in yeah. essence was saying mm-hmm. that Har- he didn't think Harbaugh was a good coach. And then I heard him say, like, he was openly saying to other people that um, he felt that Tom Selleck could win more games than Jim Harbaugh. But, I mean, is it just delusion or do you think that he is learn- can learn this, or do you think that he will let go? This is who we're stuck with. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a lot of those things. All it's I, I, I call it lying to themselves. Is that they like a certain type of person that tends to be the kind of person that kisses up to them, and then they convince themselves that that person's great because they want him to be great. And, and you're right, Steph. I mean, you heard the same things during the 2014 season, before the 2014 season. Well, Harbaugh is the coach coming off of three straight championship games. Jed was telling people that Tom Sulu is a better coach. He mm-hmm. was saying that. I know. <laughs> Harbaugh heard it, and Fangio heard it, and Roman heard it. And, and how do you think that made them go into the future? Like, this is it. We're out of here. I mean, we know this. Because this guy's going around saying that Jim, it's not like they're saying Sean Payton's better, right? It's <laughs> no. Jim Tom Sula. This is a fact. Jed thought this. He absolutely. But if, is it, I mean, is it because he's convincing himself? Is it because he's, he's uh, it's hard to say why. I just think he, his family, and they've proven it. You know, when they ran off Mariucci, and I, I understood a lot of that, but it was mostly discomfort with a guy who wasn't kissing up to them. I think this is just the family that is insecure as we can imagine, is not not terrible people. I don't, I mean, I get, I get along yeah. with them usually, except for when I'm criticizing them. Uh, <laughs> it's it insecure of itself in public, in public view, and they like to be around other people who tell them what they want to hear and who defer to them. And yet we saw, again, they hired our and they knew that he wasn't. That's, oh, that's why it's good hire. Chip Kelly's not the same like that, and that's why it's a good hire. But then they they eventually turn on that person because they don't want liberation. They don't want things to be bumping. And one of Balky's great achievements, forget about drafting, you know, Navarro Bowman and all of Mike body is being as weird and antisocial as he is, yet still winning the loyalty of the, of the Yorks. Most GMs, I think, would have been, would have been fired last year on a normal team, even after the success they've had. Yet, Trent Balky maintains his incredible connection to the Yorks. Somehow, in his weird, uncommunicative, <laughs> grunting way, they love him. And they're comfortable. Yeah, we've seen that. Jet gets very uncomfortable hiring executives. He does. He likes the ones he likes. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't want new people. New people scare the Yorks. You know, they've had some bloke go through the Lal Hannigan and Andy Dulwich and a few others. And they get they get spit right out because they don't like outsiders who might have different kinds of views and who don't say everything that Jed says is the smartest thing ever. Parag does. Parag says that. Mm-hmm. He's, that's why he's still kind of there, although he's also his doctor leaker, whatever he is. But it, it, <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a group that gets very comfortable. And Harbaugh was a necessary kind of pebble in their shoe. You had to have somebody like that, but they got tired of it. Okay, you get tired of it. Harbaugh is a really jagged, sharp pebble. I get that. I get along with him. I understood it. I never would fire him. I understand that he can be a little crazy or a lot crazy. You better have another guy like that mm-hmm. if you're going to blow out Harbaugh. And you better not spend a year trying to blow, him, blow out Harbaugh. Just make the move. And they don't do stuff like that. So, so, so those are the, you know, if, if the, if the, the Yorks are, are they know it's bad? I don't think they know it's bad. I think they, they what they, what makes them comfortable is what's good. And, hmm. and we all know, you know, if we're getting lazy and it feels right to cut a corner, we're going to convince ourselves it's okay. That's what they do. And they do it on a, on a magnitude that's far and above anything you and I would do, but that's how we do it. I think that's true. I think that's an, but I think it's an interesting way to put it that they lie to themselves. It's convincing yourself what you want to believe. And I think that's an interesting perspective and an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I've learned so much today. (laughs) I've learned so much today, Tim, talking to you. It's it's eye-opening because I think we, you know, as fans, we tend to forget all the nuances about ownership. We just focus on the football, and we want to, but there's so much to it. And uh, it's interesting to see this organization kind of take a nosedive so quickly, and it, it kind of explains a lot. It does. Yeah, uh, the one thing I know, I have put the time in with these guys, so I, I know who they are, and I know what they think, uh, and I, they, sometimes they surprise me, but like, if, you, if you put the time in, and, and you really try to figure out what's going on, I don't know that anybody who has comes out of going, wow, this is a great organization. Well, maybe Dilford does, but beyond that, uh, okay. Not great enough that he wants to work for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How that works out. But, uh, and when they do it right, you praise them. Absolutely, you praise them. And again, I, I, I think Balky does some things right. He does some things wrong, but he does some things right. You just have to be monitor the whole big picture. But overall, to get from where they were in 2013 to where they are now, that there are reasons this happened. And if you watched it carefully, it, it was just kind of a slow motion crash, and, and they couldn't avoid it, and they continued to kind of get themselves into further accidents. And it's certainly not a mystery to the people who, who know them, who, who know them best, I would say. Well, in the successful Harbor years, I think we're an aberration of the York family, because yeah. the reality is the yeah. majority of the years have been what we're seeing now. Uh, just you look at the numbers, you know, you know again, it's just my be able to turn some of that around, but you look at the numbers and what, what the wins and losses were uh, and what they were before Harbaugh, what they were after, and the personality types and the lack of a quarterback and screwing up the quarterback, and then Harbaugh fixed it, and then where, they, where are they now with the quarterback? <laughs> you know, right. It's just not that hard to, to, to kind of run that line, and then all of a sudden you have a deviation from the line, and it goes right back to that line. Well, okay. well, I think, well, I did promise our listeners early that we would do a very quick 
uh, recap of the war- not a recap maybe uh, we talk warriors um, so I'm gonna get let this end on a high note for our fans um, Tim give us a real quick uh, your thoughts on this series for the warriors and and how you think it's gonna go yeah we'll see how game two goes tonight. game one was maybe the best I've seen the warriors ever play with it was the best I've ever seen them play without Steph Curry and they seem to be figuring this out you know, they lose the game three in Houston uh, then Steph comes back for a half of game four gets hurt again and they play lights out in that second half of game four and they have to stop and they're getting better mm-hmm. and we have seen that with this team you know like through the Memphis series last year you know they, they go down 2-1 and they kind of figure something out and then close it out boom uh, they go down 2-1 to Cleveland, figure some things out, boom, lights out, they win the next three. That's kind of how this team operates. And it's with a with really bright coaching staff. Uh, it's with really bright players. And, you know, I've thrown this out, and I don't really believe that Draymond Green is more valuable than Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the best player in the league. But it's very possible, it's a different equation, that Draymond Green is more valuable to a playoff player than Steph Curry. Because I don't know that they would be doing this if Draymond was out, Steph was healthy. They might be. I'm not saying they would, but I don't know. And we are seeing what they're doing without Steph Curry right now. And again, it's against Houston Portland. There's teams that you might be able to afford it. Most playoff teams you might be able to afford it most against. And it would be different if it's Oklahoma City and San Antonio or Cleveland. But just the way this team focuses, the way this team plays defense, the way this team takes away other teams' best stuff, and, and the Warriors never get their stuff taken away. They, what they run, they get. It, it, the way Livingston can just drop right in there. I was thinking this last night. If Cleveland had Sean Livingston, they might be the best team in the league. That's, that's the Warriors' like, eighth best guy. Yet, if you move them to another team, things change. It's just the unique chemistry of this team, the way the front office has figured out, and, and I've praised this front office, and they're a very strong front office. They might be better than I thought. Because just the Livingston, Iguodala, Bates here or there, Barbosa here or there, Ian Clark, who I criticize here or there, they just got guys that they can just walk in. You just don't see that on other teams. Even in their starting lineup, you go, whoa, that, what's that guy doing out there? The Warriors go 8, 9, 10. Okay, I understand why he's there, and he might make three plays and change the name. That's better than I even thought, and I clearly praise this team a lot. Uh, that's unique. That's what they've got that no one else has got. You just the switching in and out, the transitioning from a certain kind of game to another kind of game, the D at all times, and to be able to get shots to their best players relentlessly throughout a series, throughout a game, throughout a quarter. That's special stuff. That's all time team. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that from the beginning. All time team doing all time things, and they're doing it without Steph Curry right now. Uh, that's ridiculous. Well, there we go. Thank you, Tim. Um, that is a very nice high note to, to end this on. Um, and thank you so much. I'm honestly, like, I do feel like I learned so much today. Um, and I've always been a fan of yours and a supporter, but you definitely made me think about things in a different way and gave me a different perspective. So personally, I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners will as well. Yes. Thanks. Thank you very Tim. much. All right, fantastic. Well, we will talk to you next time. Um, Goodbye, Niner fans and Warriors fans. Uh, Talk to you next week. Bye.